You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. This program is brought to you by the Islamic Studies Trust. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Summa amma ba'd. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Lord of the heavens and the earth. And we ask him to send his peace and blessings upon our master Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam upon his blessed family, his loyal companions and all of those who followed after with excellence up until the day of standing. Ameena, Ameena, Ameen. Thereafter, um, so the second session is concerning the upbringing and hardship in, in Makkah. Um, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as we mentioned earlier on, uh, lived through a very tough uh, situation in Makkah al-Mukarramah. And <coughs> were, of course, the tough situation that he lived through uh, was also affecting and impacting his family. So they knew of exactly what was going on and um, what was happening to the Prophet ﷺ in the streets and out there amongst the Meccan people. Uh, this naturally would leave uh, an impact and effect upon, uh, upon the children and upon and the wife and, and the household uh, in general. Uh, but what we see is that uh, Sayyida Khadija radiallahu anha, as the Prophet sallallahu would praise her, uh, the Prophet sallallahu would say about her that she stood beside me and she spent upon me when people walked away from me and didn't give me, right? Now, uh, this notion that uh, Sayyida Khadija was adopting of really caring for her husband and uh, spending on her husband and supporting her husband is, is something that her daughters picked up from her in defending the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, for example, uh, one of the most uh, troubling uh, examples that we see in his life Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is when he was uh, in the Haram of Makkah and he was praying in Masjid Al-Haram and Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha was with him. Right. So what do we notice that from a very young age, the Prophet ﷺ was taking his children to the masjid, right, to the house of Allah and familiarizing his children with worship unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's something very important in parenting is that children should be familiarized with worship, not through mere statements and force, but rather through, uh, through encouragement and companionship. Right. So children who are... Uh, just around their parents whilst when they pray and they, they play with their parents as they pray will, will grow up wanting to pray and wanting to stand up and do these postures and uh, you know gestures and uh, you know it, it'll become uh, fun for them right so the Prophet ﷺ took Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha who is the most beloved of his daughters unto him uh, to the masjid and uh, a group of the Meccans the disbelievers from amongst the Meccans um, were, were sitting amongst each other and uh, one of them said to the other that which of you will stand and take the insides of a camel and throw them on Muhammad وسلم, whilst he's uh, prostrating and uh, the most wretched of them you know agreed to that and he went and he did that whilst the Prophet وسلم, was in a state of prostration now that's a very, very severe situation, right? Um, if, if we think about people who we deem uh, in high respect and honor 
whether it's our parents or our teachers or whoever. And, you know, if anybody even, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, if anybody tries to uh, insult them or assault them, it will really hurt us. But this is the Prophet wasallam, And whilst he's in a state of worship, and the closest place of worship unto Allah, whilst he's in a state of prostration. And then the worst of it all is, whilst his young daughter is watching. Right? Now that's difficult. And it was Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu anha at a very young tender age who went over to her father sallallahu alayhi wa and removed uh, what they had placed on his back. And then she began to curse them. And the scholars have said that Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu anha, at that very young age, she was from amongst the defenders of Islam and the defenders of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Right now, remember what we said earlier of uh, how the children of the Prophet and his blessed household deemed him in a very formal position of prophethood and messengership, right? Even high and above uh, the Prophet being their father and being a husband, they would deem him to be the Prophet of Allah and the Messenger of Allah, and that's how the companions looked towards him too, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and it was. Uh, looking at towards him in that manner that kept their relationship with the Prophet ﷺ very formal. And, you know, um, when the Prophet ﷺ returned from uh, Medina to Makkah at the time of the conquest, he came with 10,000 companions. But you know, when he left Makkah and he went to Medina, he went with Abu Bakr, that's it. But on his return, nearly nine or ten years later, he came back with 10,000 people with him. And as they reached close to Makkah al-Mukarramah, uh, the Prophet ﷺ said to his uncle, Sayyidina Abbas, uh, he said to him, this is Abu Sufyan approaching. Uh, take him, take him on, on, on the mountain so he can look down at the, the army of the Muslims who are coming. So Sayyidina Abbas took up Abu Sufyan, who wasn't a Muslim at the time, and he looked down and he thought, wow. This man left all alone, empty-handed, and now he's come back to us with, with an ocean of people. And uh, Abu Sufyan said to Sayyidina Abbas, he said, Sara mulk ibn akhika azima. He said, uh, the, the kingdom of your nephews become enormous. What was the reply of Sayyidina Abbas? He said, uh, Sayyidina Abbas said, it's not kingdom, this is prophethood. This is not kingdom. This is messengership. This is an office that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed the Prophet with, which is high and above the, king, the kingships of the world. It's high and above the leaderships of this world. This is prophethood. That he leaves Makkah all alone and when he returns, he returns with 10,000 people. Right? That's not something that kings of the world could do. That's what Allah bestows upon a Prophet. So, uh, Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha removes what they placed on his, his back وسلم, and then he be, she began to curse them and uh, she began uh, to, to disgrace them for what they had done to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And now uh, for Sayyida Fatima to see that from a very young age was strengthening her, uh, her resilience, her patience, her, her forbearance, her strength. It was increasing in her strength for her to see her father going through these difficulties, but standing up in their face uh, like, like, like a strong mountain, not moving. Right? Uh, and this is, um, 
this is something that's also missing in 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 the modern uh, in, in 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 modern life, and that is um, for for children to see difficulties from and hardship from a young age. Now, what does that mean? Uh, we all know that when the Prophet ﷺ was a very young infant child, his mother sent him out. Where did his mother send him out to? But to the desert, to which tribe? To Banu Sa'd, right? Uh, why, why did the Arab? Why would the Arabs send out their children to to the tri to, to 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 the deserts and live with the Bedouins, right? For a number of reasons, the scholars have said so that they grow up with a strong physique, right? Their bodies are strong and resilient and uh, forbearant, and that they they're able to go through the toughness and roughness of life. Whereas people who grew up in cities like us were just biscuit bodies. Right, you touch somebody, ah, oh, they break the arm. <laughs> right, whereas people who live in the desert, uh, they have to go through difficulty and hardship. It's it's a rough life out there that they have to live. But if they live that rough life from a young age and then they come back into the cities, right, then they know how to cope with life. Right, so that was one of the uh, main major reasons why children were sent out to the deserts. Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha was seeing the hardship and the difficulties that uh, her father sallallahu alayhi wa was going through, right? And this was strengthening her personality. This was building up uh, her, her personality uh, with, with strength, with resilience, with, with, with might and power. And this is something that's uh, somewhat to a very large extent missing in young people now uh, and, um, and in the way that people are parenting their children now and that is um, they never see uh, difficulty or, or, or hardship so hence when difficulty and hardship strikes them at a later stage in life they fall back on themselves they can't take it uh, they, they, they can't stand to it and uh, it, 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 it throws them, right? And that's something very dangerous because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about something similar in the Quran and He says, There's certain people who worship Allah on the edge. Certain people who worship Allah on the edge. When goodness comes to them, they're relaxed. I deserve this. This was for me, right? I did so much for this. Right. If it didn't come to me, who is it going to go to? Right. And when calamities and difficulties come to them, in ala zahri, they fall back upon themselves because they don't know how to stand to it now. Right. When adversities come to them, when difficulties come to them, when hardships come to them, they don't know how to deal with them because they've kind of forgot the, the notion of وَالْقَدْرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ that the, the destiny of good and bad all comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in another variation of this hadith, the Prophet worded it and he said, Hulwihi wa murrihi, the sweet of it and the bitter of it. Right? Everybody likes to take the sweet of it, but there's not many people who can who can swallow the bitter of it. And it's those who can swallow the bitter of it who are the uh, who, who are true people of strength. Right? They are the true people of might uh, and nobility and greatness, those who can swallow the bitter of it. 
Is that clear? So Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha, she was seeing that her father sallallahu alayhi wasallam was seeing a lot of uh, uh, hardship and difficulty uh, in, uh, in the Meccan society and this was affecting and impacting his family but the Prophet did not come back, ever come back home and throw his burden on his family. He never threw his burden on his family. He had everything that he had to put up with the Meccans, right? Uh, of his companions being tortured, uh, the slaves from amongst his companions being extremely tortured by their masters, um, by uh, he, uh, their, their, their businesses being taken, them be cheated, and so on and so forth. Everything that happened in Makkah al-Mukarramah, which is a very, very uh, difficult uh, uh, time that the Prophet and his companions lived through, uh, and all of those worries for his ummah, he never came home and dropped them on his family or upon his wife sallallahu alayhi wa Even though he had all of those burdens, one of the companions, he said, from the time that I accepted Islam, from the time that I accepted Islam, the Prophet never saw me except that he smiled. Right? He was never seen except with a cheerful disposition, except in, in a cheerful state, sallallahu alayhi wa So where has all of that, all of those difficulties and, and, and hardships that he was living through, where have they gone? He sallallahu alayhi wa swallowed them. He took them within himself, but he did not uh, let others be affected by them. He didn't let other people, re other, the relations, the relationship that he had with others, he didn't have, he didn't let those hardships affect those relationships. Like I had a friend um, when I was studying in Syria, his name was Sheikh Muhammad Abud. And uh, he originally came from, from the borders of Iraq, which was like nine hours away from, from Damascus. And he was married and he had children and his family lived in, uh, in, in, uh, in Raqqa. But he was all alone in Damascus. And he said to me, he said, you know, when I travel back home and it takes me about nine hours to get back to the borders of Iraq, he said, uh, my, my kids are really happy and ecstatic to see me. He said, even though I've made this very long, tiring, burdensome journey all the way from Damascus, he said, I never let them feel that I'm too tired for them. I never let them feel I'm too tired for them. I never let them feel now's not the right time to come and play with me, right? He said, because that's not fair on them. What I've been going through, that's my business, right? But that shouldn't affect my relationship with my children and the people in my home, right? Uh, then we see that uh, the Prophet wasallam, the hardships that he went through, all of them were witnessed by his children. And in particular by Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha because she was the most beloved of his children unto him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So amongst the most difficult of times in Makkah was when the Prophet wasallam, had to leave his family behind and go to Taif. And you know when he went to Taif, he didn't take anybody with him. He only took Zayd with him, his slave, Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu He didn't take Abu Bakr, or Umar, or Usman. He didn't take any of these people uh, who perhaps could have been an aid to him, assistance to him, uh, stood up for him, and so on. He didn't take anybody. But he just took Zayd radiallahu and he went all the way to At-Taif. Now the Meccans, they thought that he's gone to At-Taif 
to make alliance with the people of Taif against the Meccans. But had he gone to do that, he would have taken Abu Bakr with him. He would have taken Umar with him. He would have taken Uthman with him. But he took up. He only took Zayd with him. Had he gone to do that, he would have taken uh, members of his family with him, right? Uh, if he had gone to make alliance and he, he had talks with the people of Ataif. But he only took Zayd with him, leaving behind his family, right? And there was many times when the Prophet ﷺ had to leave behind his family when he had to go out on, on certain missions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted him to fulfill. And this was one of them. That he traveled all the way to Ataif, and you know there was no means of communication with his family, but his wife Sayyida Khadija radiyallahu anha, just like the wife of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, knew that my husband was on a mission and he was being instructed by Allah subhanahu wa taala. So Allah will not let us go to loss. If he's been instructed and we know that when Ibrahim السلام, left his blessed wife and uh, infant child Sayyidina Ismail السلام, in the barren um, valley of Mecca and you know he's just leaving them and walking away and his wife says stops him and says Allahu amaraka bihaza is it Allah who instructed you to do this I leave us here in the bewilderment of his creation and in the emptiness of this barren desert. Is this Allah who's told you to do this? And he said, Allah instructed me to do this. Look at the strength, the resilience, and the might of that great woman. She said, if Allah instructed you to do this, then Allah will not let us go to loss. You can carry on. You can carry on, right? And what do we see there? We see Sayyida Hajar taking risks. Taking risks. And that's something that people don't want to take no more. People just want to live absolute comfortable lives without taking any risk for anything. Right? I've got a friend from, uh, from Malaysia and um, I haven't known him that long, but mashallah, um, I've really understood him. He, he's, he's a humanitarian who, who travels around to all of these crises in the world and really helps out and um, he, one of the things that he said to me he said I'm trying to encourage my friends from the business family to really uh, to donate uh, towards these causes and he said sometimes I see, I see fatigue in them in giving and you know I get really upset so I said to him I said why don't you take them with you when you go on these field trips to wherever you go uh, in helping people. He said, I've just come back from Bangladesh and I really encourage them to come with me, but they didn't want to, uh, they, they didn't want to get their feet dirty in mud, right? Right, and they don't want to take risks, right? He said, that's what I've realized about people is that they don't want to take risks. But look at the risk that Sayyida Hajar took, but she was confident in taking that risk because it was Allah who instructed it and Allah will reward for it. Look at the risks that Sayyida Khadija radiallahu anha took. But she was confident in taking them because it was in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, one of our teachers, one of, uh, one of the most noble and righteous people that we ever saw in Damascus, his name was Sheikh Hamdi Arabi rahmatullahi alayhi. Uh, I think at the time when I met him, he was 98. And he lived well past 100. And he said, um, he said, every morning when I leave my house for Fajr, this was at the age of 98, 
right? He said, every morning when I leave my house uh, for Fajr, he said, the shaitan says to me, um, you can pray at home, you're an old man, you'll die on the way. You're an old man, you'll die on the way. So pray at home. He says, I reply to the shaitan and say to him, and what more do I need than dying in the way of Allah? If, if it means that this risk of mine, of walking all the way to the masjid, will give me martyrdom in the way of Allah, why shouldn't I do it? Right? And he said, I, I haven't missed a fajr in the Umayyad for the past 70 years. Non-stop. Right? So, um, the Prophet ﷺ went to a ta'if and he left his family, he, he left his family at home. He, his wife and his daughters, they were left at home. Now, just imagine what was going through their mind, what's happened to the Prophet ﷺ, how's our father, you know, these daughters who were so close to him, now they don't see him in the house, right? This was strengthening them. This was, uh, uh, you know, uh, giving them uh, might and power to be able to live through difficult situations in this world. And then the Prophet ﷺ and his companions were, were banished out of Mecca for three years in the, in the valley of Abu Talib, right? In the valleys of Abu Talib for three years. Uh, they couldn't, they were totally boycotted. They couldn't buy and sell from the Meccans. They couldn't marry into the Meccans they, and vice versa. They couldn't even go into the Haram of Mecca and so on and so forth for three years. And that was such a difficult situation that the companions, they said, um, our children were starving of hunger and thirst. And it was only Sayyida Khadija radiallahu anha who took risks and would come from Mecca and give us food and drink. And she went through starvation herself to feed the Prophet and his companions who were banished out into the valleys of Abu Talib. Right? And the scholars have said that one of the causes of the death of Sayyida Khadija radiallahu anha was the fact that she went through so much starvation and so much hunger and thirst at that particular, in those years, when she was going out and giving others. Now, Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha is seeing all of this uh, greatness and all of this noble character and all of this generosity and uh, goodness in her parents, right? And she's seeing all of the difficulties of life that her parents had to live through, but they managed through them. They didn't give up on life. They didn't fall back on themselves. They stood up to the difficulties of life with resilience, with strength, with, with patience. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them success. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them success. And uh, I think it's very important that young people, uh, especially in the world that we live in, uh, see the hardships and difficulties that that others are going through and how they get by in those difficulties uh, and, and succeed through them, right? Uh, because that's what's going to make people grateful for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them, right? Oftentimes we live in, uh, uh, we, we see and we hear around us uh, the amount of ungratefulness unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what Allah has blessed us with. And why is that? Because we see so much of it. And we don't see those who don't have it 
and who would wish to want it or wish to have it but nevertheless that even though they don't have it they are still uh, patient they are still uh, um, thankful unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what he's given them you know I had a friend um, who was studying with us in, uh, in Damascus um, he was from Canada and he said that you know, he said the reason that I became Muslim was that I went on a field trip to Africa and I saw some of the most poorest of man he said I saw some of the most poorest of human beings in Africa and they were Muslims they lived in mud houses you know they didn't have kitchens they didn't have living rooms they just had literally just a mud house and um, they would have to walk for miles on end to collect water and you know if, when I would look into the water it'd be like coke it should be black right he said but the one thing that I noticed and this was before I became Muslim the one thing that I noticed is that every morning when they'd wake up they'd have big smiles on their faces and they'll say Alhamdulillah and I'd say what are you guys saying and they say we're thanking Allah for everything that he's given us and then he said I reflected upon what I had and what we have in the West and where we live and how ungrateful we are unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, I, I, you know, when I go shopping, I really observe myself and I observe others around me. You know, when I go to Asda or Tesco, one of the things I have to say is Astaghfirullah. Do you know why I have to say Astaghfirullah? Because I look around and I see aisles after aisles after aisles of, of food and nourishment and drink. But then all these human beings walking around still complaining, still not happy. And then I observe myself and I observe others. And you know, if you just listen into what people say once they've got like an overloaded trolley and they're walking out of Asda or Tesco, they start complaining, oh, I forgot this, I did get that, oh, I forgot. Are you thinking, what about all of the stuff that you've got? Did you get it? And it's really scary walking into these mass supermarkets where you have so much at your disposal and you see within yourself uh, a notion of ungratefulness unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and share complaints, right? And um, that's because it's, it's just been opened up before our eyes. And sometimes I think, imagine somebody picked up an Asda, just one Asda, right? Do you guys have Asda in Scotland? You do? Okay. <laughs> Suddenly I thought <laughs> I might be speaking about something that doesn't exist here. <laughs> Okay, uh, so sometimes I think, imagine somebody picked up an Asda and dropped it in like, um, in a village in Africa, seriously, or even in like a remote village in Pakistan, you know, how would the people behave, how would they see this place, a monster with so much food, right, it's like a food factory, and you know, do you get what I'm saying? Now, we walk around uh, and we have so many right in front of them, in front of our eyes. But how is, what's the state of our hearts with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we can see so much nourishment and so much food uh, uh, in front of us? And when we know that there's people, you know, going through starvation, people who don't have, and etc. to the end of it, right? So, seeing difficult situations is very important in life it's very important that we open up our eyes 
and see what's actually happening uh, around us in the world so that we become grateful for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. And you know when Jibreel alayhi salam came to the Prophet sallallahu and said, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instructed that if you want, the mountains of Mecca would walk with you in gold and silver. What was it that the Prophet sallallahu said? He said, uh, I, I don't want that. But rather, uh, I, I'll eat a day and thank Allah. And the day that I don't have, I'll be patient. Right? I'll, 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 I'll be patient and have sabr. And there were so many times when the Prophet ﷺ and his noble family would sleep on absolutely empty stomachs. Right? And they wouldn't have anything. Literally, they wouldn't have anything to, to eat. They wouldn't have like... And you know, um, food in, 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 in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, if somebody had dates in their houses, that was like, whoa, that's a lot of food. If somebody had milk, that's, that's a lot of drink that's, that takes up the place of food, right? But the Prophet's blessed house didn't even have dates that his family could eat. And they would sleep on absolutely empty stomachs. Now, you would think, this is the messenger of Allah وسلم, and this is his blessed family, right? And they are so beloved unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Allah, without a doubt, uh, had the power to provide for them, right? So that they could have had meals at night before, you know, sleeping and woke up in the morning and had meals and so on. But why was it that they didn't have these meals? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was preparing them for a greater purpose, strengthening them for a greater meaning than merely food and drink. Did you get that? Now, these subtle meanings from the blessed life of the Prophet and how his blessed daughters grew up in the midst of hardship and difficulty uh, and tribulation is something that's very important for us to understand. That life is not just about mere luxuries and, uh, and, and eases and comforts, but if it was, then the life of the Prophet would have been like that. You know, uh, one of the most striking hadiths that I ever read uh, in the Shama'il of Imam Tirmidhi radiallahu is that Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha, when she experienced or witnessed the, the departure of the Prophet from this world, um, what did she actually witness? You know, like uh, we hear at times that, mashallah, so and so had such a beautiful death, um, it was so easy, and you know. You saw uh, when, when we witnessed this person, the, they didn't go through any difficulty, any hardship. It was just very nice and easy. You know, when Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha saw the departure of the Messenger of Allah from this world, do you know what she said? She said, After I saw the severity and the intensity of hardship that the Prophet went through at the time that his noble soul left his blessed body, she said, After seeing all of that, I never envy anybody who goes through an easy death. He said, she said, I won't envy anybody who goes through an easy death because of the style in which the Messenger of Allah departed from this world. It was extremely difficult, right? So Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha and her blessed uh, sisters were seeing and living through these hardships 
that the Prophet ﷺ was experiencing in Mecca. And the most difficult of them, perhaps for um, Sayyidah Fatima anha and the Prophet ﷺ in the Meccan period was uh, the death of Sayyidah Khadija. Right. That was extremely difficult. Now, the Prophet ﷺ was losing uh, a loving wife and a caring mother for, for his daughters. And the Prophet ﷺ was losing uh, the security of his home. Uh, you know, the Prophet ﷺ had security in his community through Abu Talib. Abu Talib, you know, stood up for the Prophet ﷺ. People couldn't do it, say anything to him so long as Abu Talib was alive. Uh, but he also needed security uh, at home. And the security of his home was his wife, Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu anha. And um, she, was, she was the teacher and the nurturer of, of his daughters, radiallahu anhunna ajma'een. And uh, when Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu anha was on her deathbed towards the, you know, the final moments of, of her life, the Prophet ﷺ said to her, uh, Are you not pleased that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen you to be my wife in paradise? And uh, Sayyidah Khadija said, Is that the case, Messenger of Allah? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed. And Sayyidah Khadija said, Idan birrafa'i wal banin, may it be with happiness and many children. Right? And the Prophet ﷺ, um, gave glad tidings onto Sayyidah Khadija and said, that you, uh, gave her glad tidings and promised a house in Jannah la fihi wa la nasab, in which there will be no raising of voices and nor will there be any uh, um, um, there won't be any sahab and there won't be any nasab which is uh, tiredum. you won't be tired and nor will there be any raising of voices now the scholars have said in Jannah uh, you're not going to expect a house where there's voices raised and people getting tired you know the general description of Jannah is not like that that you're going to hear arguments and people shouting and stuff right why was it uh, specifically described for the house of Sayyidah Khadija that there will be no raising of voices and nor will there be any uh, tired in that house and the scholars have said the reason why the Prophet ﷺ specified it for the house of Khadija is to highlight that that's the type of house that she created for the Prophet ﷺ upon the earth and that's the type of house that Allah will reward her with in Jannah. right? So that we can take a lesson from the, the house of Sayyidah Khadija upon the earth in hope that we have the same types of uh, uh, houses in Jannah like that of Sayyidah Khadija uh, radiallahu anha. So Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu anha in Mecca, she went through, um, she, 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 she saw through all of the difficult stages of the life of the Prophet Now, can you imagine that her father was being described as a Sadiq al-Ameen for 40 years and now suddenly, when once he announces that he is a Prophet of Allah, uh, the, uh, it, it topples and twists and what people have to say about him has changed now. And that's very, very difficult for, for a child to hear people say about his or her father, he's a liar, or he's mad, he wants to break up uh, our families, he, he's disgracing our gods, and so on and so forth. For a child to hear uh, comments like that about a parent is extremely difficult, 
right? And you know, um, nowadays uh, when, for example, young children, if they lose a parent, when they go to school, they have, uh, they, they have special social workers to give them counseling, right? Why is that? Because these children need extra affection and extra love because of the losses that they've had. Can you just imagine the types of difficulties that Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha was going through and perhaps the, the, the mental traumas that she had to deal with in when she heard about her father being described in ways that he wasn't sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and clearly wasn't because she knew her father from the house, right? And the scholars have said from the miracles of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and from the most um, important proofs of his prophecy was that when he announced that he was the Prophet of Allah, his wife and his daughters accepted Islam with him immediately. How could that have been? That could have only been because of what they experienced with him in the intimacy of their homes, which proved to them that what he's saying is absolutely true. There's no two ways about it. Is that clear? There's no two ways about it. And the scholars have said, if you see one's uh, close family uh, giving in to a person, or uh, accepting a person, or praising a person, and the, uh, a person's childhood friend uh, accepting a person, then these are signs of that person really having those true qualities within, within him or her. And with the Prophet ﷺ, we see his immediate family accepts straight away, uh, and his daughters accept with him straight away. Um, whereas if there was any, any discrepancy, then his family would have said, okay, but you're like this at home, but this is different at home, right? So uh, Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha, she went through the difficulties that the Prophet ﷺ went through, and her and her sisters and her mother all supported the Prophet ﷺ in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commissioned him with. And another time uh, that we see that the Prophet ﷺ leaves his home is when he went, when he would go to the cave of Hira. Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu anha said that Kana that he would go out to the cave of Hira for nights upon end and he would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Sayyidah Khadija would prepare uh, food for him and when his provisions would finish he would come back check upon his family take more provisions and go back right so there were many intervals where Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha and her sisters uh, didn't see their father because of the travelings that he had to make because of the missions that he had to go on but nevertheless these were points that strengthened them and gave them more conviction concerning their father sallallahu alaihi wasallam so uh, in all of what we've said up till now we see that uh, sayyida fatima radiyallahu anha a very strong resilient patient forbearant uh, grateful uh, character is being molded within her so that she grows up to be able to face the realities of life face the hardships and difficulties of life alongside live through the eases and sweetness and comfort of life right and that's something very important for us uh, to 
to, 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 to recognize and realize uh, the reason behind that is that the eases of life when they come, everybody can enjoy them. But it's only when the difficulties of life and hardships of life come uh, that the strong will be able to stand up to them and those who are too f indulged in the luxuries of life will, will fall. Uh, inshallah, in the next session, we'll speak about her marriage uh, with Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu uh, anhu and her worship. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.